Season Podcast. We don't stop here on Fantasy Baseball today. What's up, everybody? Scott had a baby. Or more correctly, Scott's wife had a baby. So it's me and Chris. Yeah, let's give credit where credit's due. Yeah. Scott, Scott did very little. Scott did nothing. Scott, Pretty much. Scott was useless. But congratulations to Scott and his beautiful wife and his beautiful family. Two baby boys. Well, two boys. And uh, we're going to miss him for the next, I don't know, few weeks until he's back. I believe it's six weeks. I believe he will be back in November. Six weeks? Who gets six weeks? Uh, you do if you have a baby. Jeez. I would like it's to have pretty- like four in a row. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's how that works. What if I had quadru- – what if like – what if my wife – not pregnant, but what if she had quadruplets? Would I get 24 weeks off? You know, I don't know, but I would guess not. <laughs> Chris – Talk to management here. That doesn't seem fair. It's four times uh, the work. I'll see what I can do. All right. My voice is fading because I went to some playoff baseball last night. I had Ooh. a good time. It was awesome. We'll talk about that game in a so little bit. So you were one of the overexcited Yankees fans who couldn't tell when a ball was hit 100 feet or 400 feet? So that's what Heath said on the podcast this morning and since Heath's Heat on the football podcast. Since Heath said it, I figured, you know, you're probably going to say it too. Boy, I we haven't talked about this. We I didn't came notice to different it. conclusions. I didn't notice it actually, but I will say this. I was sitting I was sitting in the outfield, basically on the left field line, slightly in foul territory. So kind of far away, but like yeah. two hundred levels, not four hundreds or anything. I enjoyed the seats. They were good. I couldn't see left field. I don't know if I said I was in right field or left field. I was in left field. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't see like the wall in left field, so like Joe Maurer had that fly out with two on and two out, and he was the tie run. I couldn't see that at all. Yeah, I went to um in the 2003 World Series. I went to Game Four, the one where Alex Gonzalez hits the walk off home run, and I'm sitting. You remember Dolphin Stadium at that point? I think it was Pro Player, probably. Sure. Still 2003. Why not? And I'm sitting in dead center field, so probably like 600 feet away from home plate. And that's the game where, like, Miguel Cabrera hits the the home run off Roger Clemens and what we thought was Roger Clemens' last game. Alex Gonzalez hits the walk-off home run for the Marlins. I saw neither of those balls go out because yeah. of the way the the angles at, at the old stadium were. You know, nobody ever sat in the upper deck, but when you did for baseball, you couldn't see the outfield. Right. Like, I pretty much could not see right field. I mean, stadium. I could see most of the outfield. I just couldn't see the wall and, like, the war. I couldn't see the warning track and a lot of left field. Um, but what I was going to say was there was a ball. Aaron Judge was up, and he swung, and he hit a ball. And off the bat, it looked like it was coming like right at me. I was like, oh, my God. this He might have just crushed this ball. He fouled it back to the screen. But for, yeah. for a, a, not even half a second, for a quarter of a second, I was like, oh. and then I realized, oh, wait, no, not even close. Yeah, there out. was the – well, they went down three nothing in the first inning of that game. We'll just we'll just give the play by play for this whole game. Right. Uh, no, in in that one, I think runner on first, Judge. They're down three nothing. The crowd is super anxious. I guess it's been a long time since you guys have had anything to root for. False. Uh, and he hits like I look down at my phone for a second, and I hear the crowd go absolutely insane. Like I thought, I look down and I hear the crowd, and I thought Judge must have hit like. A 580 foot home run to dead center. It was like a, 
bleeding eye single. No, it was a line drive. It was a it was a solid. It was a it was a kind of it was a jam shot. It was not a well struck. I don't think so. I think it was a solid line drive single. Either way, it moved the runner to third in a game they were down by three in the first inning. I thought he hit like the seventieth third home run of the season. Give him some credit, okay? The crowd was amped, and the 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 reaction. I know you guys were like a like. Early 2010s Oklahoma City Thunder crowd who had like never seen a baseball game before. You know, it was adorable. Look, the Yankees were in the wild card two years ago. They lost to the Astros. I was at that game too, and it was also fun. But there was nothing to cheer about because Dallas Keuchel shut them down. This was, the, I mean, this te- they really love this team. Like, it is fun. It's a fun team. It's a lot of homegrown players, and it's. Uh, By the way, that was a that ball was hit 73 miles per hour. Yeah, he crushed that. You couldn't hit a ball 73 miles per hour. But then the next at bat was, was, oh no, the next at bat was Sanchez. Then the DD home run, I've been oh, saying. Oh yeah, that was fun. No, it was a fun game. It was pandemonium. It was funny. No, I, alright, yeah, you make fun of me all you want. We had a great time. Um, and, uh, did, look, none of us saw the Yankees making the playoffs. What we're gonna do today is basically talk about that game, yesterday's game for an hour. Um, uh, but after we do that, now nah, we're done. Bold predict. We're gonna look back at our bold predictions and our MLB preseason picks and see how we did. We're gonna read an email about a bad, bad fantasy baseball beat. Look at the yeah. top five finishers in at catcher, first base, and second base. Some news and notes. Some late season things that caught my eye. And your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. First, a thank you to everybody for listening this uh, this whole season. We're getting my favorite emails, the thank you for helping me win my league emails. Those are always fun. And they're coming in, and, yeah, I, I've been responding to some of them. If I don't respond to you, I'm very sorry. Uh, we're getting a lot, but we very, very much appreciate it. And it's been a great year. Every year, something changes. Not every year, but a lot of years, something changes on the podcast. First, it was Eric Mack a while ago. He left. And then Nando left. And then Al left. And every year I'm like kind of worried, like, oh man, we lost such a key component of the show. How are we going to do it? And every year, you guys, the listeners involved with you, Chris, and Scott, and Heath, you all step up. We had our best year ever. I was I so thought proud. We were gonna get a, uh, I thought you were going to go a different route with that, like the uh, the like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, very dramatic scene, like, man... Al wasn't there for me in 2017, and I don't need him anyway. How <laughs> you don't want me, man? I know exactly what you're talking about, too. Oh, That's it's an iconic great. scene. Yeah, it is. Um, but anyway, I was really proud of the of the job you guys did, and thank you. And I'm always proud well, of our you, listeners Adam. for being uh, being a part of the show. So, actually, I was going to do bold predictions off the bat, but I think uh, since we've rambled on for seven minutes without talking any fantasy, let's talk some fantasy. And here are, Chris, the top five catchers in points leagues for 2017. Yeah, that's what it was, right? 2017? Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Top five catchers. Gary Sanchez. Buster Posey. JT Realmuto, Yadier Molina. And Salvador Perez. Gary Sanchez. Buster Posey. JT Realmuto, Yadier Molina. Uh, and Salvador Perez. And, quick note, all five of these guys led the position in at-bats. They were also top five in at-bats. And Gary Sanchez and Salvador Perez both had missed significant time with injury, and they finished top five. All right, what's your quick reaction to this list, Chris? Uh, Gary Sanchez, I think, is the number one catcher going into next season. Just the 
the age difference between him and Buster Posey, the fact that Posey is on a slight decline. I think we're starting to see the end of his peak, uh, and I think that started last season. Um, Yadier Molina being top five is just ridiculous. I mean, there's something to be said for showing up every day, but he had a pretty good season, the 18 home runs, the 82 RBI. I just don't know if that's uh, that's necessarily sustainable for him. The other four guys... I think are all probably top five or six catchers going into next season. I mean, I think Gary Sanchez is the new Buster Posey. He's going to dominate the position for years to come. And I yeah. think he's a second round pick. I mean, at worst, he's, at worst, quite, he's a third round pick. Yeah, he wasn't quite as good in 2017 as his brief rookie stint, but you know, coming out there with 33 homers, 90 RBI, uh, and an 876 OPS in 122 games, that's, that's pretty much impossible to beat at the catcher position, especially with Buster Posey and he missed, on the he decline. Missed like a so, month. yeah, I think he's clearly the number one guy. Yeah, he, and, and he had the injury as well. So he's clearly the number one guy. He, he's clearly the number one guy. He'll be number one for everyone. But uh how early will he go? I guess we can decide that. But Wilson Contreras might have been sixth. Uh Will he be in your top five next year? Will he be number two or three? I think he probably has to be in the top five. Yeah, um, you know the the injury was what a, a hamstring for him that that ended his or basically ended his fantasy season. But you look at what he did; it's not quite Gary Sanchez, uh, mostly because the power is not there. But I'm not sure. I can't put him over Posey. I think, but I think he will be number three. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that you know, was an. Autoplay regular season com. Regular season, I'm I'm cutting that out. But the postseason podcast, that stays in. Leave it in. That stays in. That was great. All right, top five first baseman in rotisserie leagues this year. <laughs> Paul Goldschmidt, who is uh, 30 years old, so he's still still got some prime years left. Paul yeah. Goldschmidt, and, and he and he had a great year. As the number one first baseman at Roto, and that was playing through an elbow injury for a lot of September, and he slumped in September. Um, it, he hit 175, Paul Goldschmidt, in September. His slash line heading into the final month of the year, 319, 428 on base, 607 slugging, so an OPS over 1,000. So he was one. Votto was two. Actually, first base was crazy. I could have predicted a lot of the top five catchers, but first base, I don't think I would have gotten it. Goldschmidt, Votto. Jose Abreu, who batted 304 with 33 homers. Jose Abreu? Ryan Zimmerman, four. Anthony Rizzo, the most predictable player in baseball. Four straight years for Rizzo with 31 or 32 home runs. Two straight with 32 homers and 109 RBIs. Exactly the same numbers. Are Um, we sure Jose Abreu isn't the most uh, predictable, though. Well, I mean, he did a lot better this year than he did in either of the past two seasons. Had a little bit of a a power drop in uh, 2016, hit 25 homers. But, you know, he's been, with the exception of runs being very low in 2016, he's been the same guy, and it's... You know, I think he deserves more credit than he gets, probably. Yeah, apparently, but, but, you know, going into the season... I could see why people were down on him because he didn't have the power that really measured up with the elite first baseman, yep. but he but he got it back. I mean, it was the heaviest home run hitting season ever, 
But credit yeah. Abreu, 30. I don't know how he hits 304 every year with such terrible plate discipline, but he hits 300. He hits right around 300 every year. Very solid. Well, he doesn't strike out that much. I always, yeah, I always kind of overlook that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he doesn't walk walks. much, but if you're talking about batting average, you know, the, the fact that he hits for power, hits the ball hard, and doesn't strike out much, it's, he's going to be a consistent 290 plus guy, I think. Now, Freddie Freeman will definitely go ahead of, of Abreu next year. Do you yes. think Edwin Encarnacion will? You know, on, on CBSSports.com, you can actually get a sneak preview of the 2018 season by, uh, I, I put up a piece yesterday that has all of Scott and Heath's 2018 positional rankings. Hey. Uh, and so I'll cheat and I'll go ahead and note that both of them have Freddie Freeman, or sorry, you were asking Edwin Encarnacion mm-hmm. versus Jose Abreu. Both of them have Encarnacion above Jose Abreu. Yeah. Yeah, I but, mean, go ahead. I, I'm not so sure. I, I think that's one that could go either way. And Edwin Encarnacion next season might be someone that I just avoid. If the, you know, if the cost is going to be maybe a late second round pick or an early third rounder, I might try to avoid the 35 year old who's had bouts of inconsistency over sure. the last couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean, April was awful for him. He had a 696 OPS May 1st to October 1st. Edwin Encarnacion batted 269 with 34 home runs, which is more than Abreu hit for the entire season. Yeah. He had 87 walks to 98 strikeouts, so he got the plate discipline back in 133 games. He looked like Edwin Encarnacion. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but there's still – but you can't ignore that month. You can't ignore the bad month. And he wasn't, you know, that great in May either. He had a low 800s OPS. He had three – one bad month, two okay months, three great months, but – you know, for me, the big thing is that at 35, it's going to stop at some point. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I just think there's probably more risk involved with him than there are, there is with a lot of similar players. All right, we'll get to second baseman in a moment. But, you know, I was lucky enough, as you know, to go to the Yankees game last night. And let me tell you, playoff baseball is incredible. I had the best time. And, and this is what it's about, people. Go to a game. Go to a football game. Go to a basketball game. The NBA is starting up. The NHL is back. Go to a concert, a comedy show, theater. Get there with SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app and let SeatGeek find you the best values because SeatGeek will let you sit back and be lazy while it searches multiple sites, finds tickets, grades the seats based on value, and tells you which ones you should buy. I mean, what an awesome system that is. I use SeatGeek all the time. Every purchase is fully guaranteed. That's a beautiful feature. And you listeners, you get 10 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASY. That's promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. It's an awesome app. You will love it when you start using it. Download SeatGeek and use that code FANTASY. Top five second baseman. We go back to points leagues. Okay, I'll actually give you a top six because Anthony Rizzo is number two. <laughs> Jose Altuve followed by Rizzo, then Jose Ramirez. Brian Dozier was number four. He batted 310 with 21 home runs after the All-Star break. Daniel Murphy was number five, and Jonathan Scope was number six. So Altuve, Rizzo, Jose Ramirez, and Brian Dozier, Daniel Murphy, and Jonathan Scope. I would say Scope is probably someone who's going to be a pretty popular bust candidate next season. Just had a a real outlier season. I don't you know, dislike the skill set here, especially the power. I think he is a 25-plus homer guy, assuming they don't change the baseballs in the offseason, which will be the 
asterisk on everything we discuss. Uh, yes. There's no sign that that will happen, but you know he's probably more of a 260, 270 hitter uh, who had a 293 kind of outlier season. So good second baseman was definitely underrated coming into the season, but will be someone that will be easy to overdraft. Mm-hmm. All right, that's Jonathan Scope, and those are your top five second basemen in 2017. All right, Chris, how are uh, how are th- how are things at home? Been meaning to ask. How, how are they doing at home? Uh, you know, my wife has to deal with me, so <laughs> it's always it's always hit or miss. Well, there. The, perfect. You're the you're the target audience. Then get her some flowers. Stinking Chris, get get your wife some flowers, and all of you out there, get your wife some flowers, get your mom some flowers, get anyone some flowers. There's never a bad time to do it. Things are going well. Things are going a little rough right now. Go to proflowers.com. Get a bouquet and save 20% with our promo code at checkout. The promo code is A-N-S, like Adam, Nancy, Scott, A-N-S. Proflowers.com is great. I actually got my wife Proflowers uh, a, a bouquet last month, and she really liked it. And I saved 20 bucks with the promo code A-N-S. And I don't want you to let me make you look bad. I don't want your wife to be like, well, Adam Hazer got his white flowers. Don't let, don't let me do that. I don't want to be that guy. So go ahead and get in on it. Go to proflowers.com. They do a great job. A lot of different options, beautiful bouquets. They're guaranteed, guaranteed to stay fresh for seven days or more or your money back. It's pretty awesome. And they give you more bloom for your buck. It's really an easy thing to do. You just go online, you pick a bouquet, you send it to someone, you can put a card and a note in there and you get 20% off any bouquet of $29 or more at proflowers.com when you use our code ANS. Again, 20% off a bouquet of 29 bucks or more. Proflowers.com. The promo code is ANS. All right, news and notes. Noah Syndergaard said he felt the best on Sunday. On Sunday he pitched. He said he felt that was the best he's felt in his entire life. That's what he said. So, hooray for Syndergaard. Right. Yeah. Good times. Uh, Johnny Cueto seemed to indicate that he will not opt out of his contract with San Francisco. Are you at all optimistic about a Cueto bounce back next year? I would expect he will be someone that I'll be targeting depending on how far he falls in my drafts. I just, I don't expect that he lost it all that quickly. Right. Uh, Carter Capps had surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome. Matt Carpenter's been bothered by a sore shoulder, but he won't need off-season surgery. Most likely to bounce back, Noah Syndergaard, Johnny Cueto, or Matt Carpenter? Uh, Matt Carpenter. I, I just think anytime you're talking most likely, I'm going to avoid, and you give me the option to avoid pitching, I'm going to avoid pitching. It's just so hard to predict. And uh, Trevor Bauer is going to start game one of the uh, ALDS against the Yankees. They're keeping Kluber on Kluber's schedule. They're going to use Kluber in, in a game five on regular rest instead of in a game four on short rest. They like Trevor Bauer's rubber arm, and they won't need him for as many innings because they will use the bullpen if they need to. And from from a fan, well, we'll get to the fantasy angle, but what do you think about this, Chris? Trevor Bauer, game one. I think it's fine. I mean, I know you want to throw your best pitcher in the first game and make sure that you get off to a good start and all that, but I think Trevor Bauer, as much as I've been – skeptical of him there do appear to be some real changes that he's made over the course of the last year or so um it's hard to argue with the results that he's had lately and uh he he looks good 
Last 12 starts, and, and he had a relief appearance in there too. So 13 appearances, 12 starts for Bauer. He's got a 2.42 ERA. He's nine and one with a 2.42 ERA, and it's when he started throwing a slider. Like yep. he he was not throwing a slider at all. He started throwing it in 2.42 ERA and 13 appearances, 12 starts. Yeah, it was about 12. I'm looking at the Brooks baseball right now. Over the over the course of the second half of the season, he threw the slider about 12 percent of the time. Didn't throw it at all before that, and he got. You know, pretty good results with it. 21% swing strike rate. It was his best with pitch and that could be something. You know, he, he's someone that I think probably throws too many pitches. Like he's so ridiculously talented and has put so much work in that he feels confident in his ability to throw four or five different pitches. And the, f- the fact that he's always tinkering means that we're going to see some up and ups and downs from him. But what he's shown over the last couple of months could be the very best version of Trevor Bauer. All right. Well, let's take a look at how we did in the preseason and if we made good picks. Okay. And I think we all got every division winner, right? Nope. Except for Heath. One division. We were unanimous on every single division except for the NL West. Yeah. Heath took the giants to beat, yeah. the, uh, to win the division. Other than that, we all got the six division winners right. I guess that wasn't too difficult. Uh, I don't know that we got any second place teams right. <laughs> we all had the Blue Jays finishing in second. Yeah. Uh, Heath had the Royals finishing in second, so that was close, but no. Uh, we no. all had the Tigers otherwise. <laughs> yeah, none of us had the Twins or the Yankees. Or the Angels. Or the Angels, yeah. I had the Rangers. You had I, Me and Scott had the Rangers. Scott and I had the Rangers. You and Heath. Wow, how about that? Scam of the Rangers, Kreeth had the Mariners, none of us had the Angels. In the National League East, we all picked did the, the Cardinals. Did the Cardinals didn't finish second, right? The Brewers did? The Brewers did. I'm almost positive. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we all had the, the Mets in second in the NL East. Oops. Whoops. Scam had the Cardinals, Kreeth had the Pirates, and, uh, we all had, the, the Giants finishing in second place, except Heath actually had them in first and the Dodgers in second. The one thing I was happy about was I was kind of high on the Diamondbacks. I had them. Did we pick wild cards? I guess not. No. I, I may have picked them to be a wild card team. I picked them to finish third. I probably didn't pick them to be a wild card team. But I thought they scam scam picked them to finish third and Kreeth picked them to finish fourth. That's amazing. It's amazing how much how similar Scott and I are and you and Heath. It's way it's to go. Weird. Yeah. Bold predictions. I think we all got like one out of three and Scott got uh, two I out don't of three. Think Scott oh, no. Actually, or I'm way Heath off. got any I'm of way off. Right. Scott got two right. Scott uh, got one right. Uh Scott got Bogart. Yeah, Scott got right. Xander Bogart slipping out of the top eight at shortstop. Scott's bold predictions were James Paxton is a top three AL Cy Young finalist. I like I want to give him credit for that. James Paxton was very good. But he's not going to – I mean, if you want to give Scott credit for James Paxton finishing top three in the Cy Young, I might as well ask for credit for Jock Peterson as a top five NL <laughs> MVP because uh, neither of those is going to happen. Yeah, but at least at least Paxton was good. Uh, fine, Peterson fine. had his moments. Scott got one. My three bold predictions were – oh, this one's a doozy. Gregory Polanco will be the best Pirates outfielder. Uh, No. Uh, he was probably the second best. Maybe. For fantasy. Blake Snell gets demoted before the All-Star break. I got Nailed that it. one. Yep. 
and Greg Bird has a better season than Hanley Ramirez. Just missed. I don't, I don't that's not fair. Like Greg Bird would have had a really good season. I'm I'm gonna be very high on Greg Bird going into next year. And I think he could have had a fine season. And Heat's bold predictions. Danny Salazar leads the AL in strikeouts. Uh Felix Hernandez wins twenty games. <laughs> And Michael Franco was a top ten third baseman in both formats, which wasn't even that bold, but also wrong. Yeah. And your bold predictions, what were they? Uh two hitters reach fifty homers for the first time since two thousand six. Nailed it. Yeah. I even named one of the two uh fifty homer guys. Giancarlo Stan was the first player I named when I mentioned possibilities for uh fifty homer seasons. And let's just assume that Aaron Judge was the sixth name out of the five that I mentioned. There you go. There you go. Uh, I, I remember that being the case. Yeah. All right, so you got that one. Uh, Billy Hamilton finished just short of 100 steals, unfortunately. I mean, I mean, he got yeah. 59, so that 59. whole prediction did not come short. He didn't even lead baseball. You know, wow. He missed 23 games, so I think he could have stolen 41 bases Probably. in those 23 games. Probably, yeah. Uh, and like we mentioned before, Jock Peterson did not finish in the top five among the NL MVP. I mean, the vote hasn't been cast yet. We'll see what happens. And um, I could see him get sneaking in there at, at 50th. 55? So, yeah, 55. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get any of these right here. AL MVP, we all had Trout except Scott had Donaldson. Got a chance there with Trout. Yeah, but probably not. NL MVP, I had Chris Bryant. Heath had Rizzo. You and Scott had Harper. If Harper didn't get hurt, it yeah. would have been him. All right, so who's your AL MVP? I'm going to go with Altuve. Me too. I think both him and Judge have great cases. I don't think there's a clear distinction between the two, and so I'll just – I think it's kind of a – I think Jose Altuve gets a, like, Leonardo DiCaprio best actor Oscar kind of here. Just like, you've been good for a long time. We'll just give it to you. It's a lifetime achievement kind of thing. Yeah, I'll take Altuve too. I, the lack of strikeouts is just so impressive and really matters. And just the consistency. If you're talking about volume, I think con- – value, I think consistency does matter. Like, I think the end numbers for Aaron Judge are incredible and staggering, and he was amazing. But the fact that Jose Altuve was just Jose Altuve every day. Mm-hmm. Really plays a big factor, I think. And then he had one month where he hit like 450 or something. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, who's your NL MVP? That's the tough one. I guess it's Arenado for me. I think you can go with about six different guys, and I won't. Uh, I won't complain. I think Arenado probably would be sixth for me. I would go with Paul Goldschmidt. Okay. And yeah, that's a good. That's a good one too. Um, and kind of similar to Altuve. Just it's your turn. My AL Cy Young, Chris Archer. Not so much. You were being kind of goofy. You went with Marcus Stroman. Look. Look, I think it was a good pick. Chris Sale for Heath. Justin Verlander for Scott. I think Kluber's got it locked up. I think he probably gets it. Heath definitely has the best chance of being right. But look, look. Marcus Stroman could finish in the top five. No, he couldn't. Sure he could. A 309 ERA over 200 innings. Really? Okay. That, that won Rick Porcello the dang Cy Young last year. I, maybe. All right. So it's going to be Kluber, Sale, Severino. Probably. Uh, yeah. I don't really know who else it would be after that. It would have been Keuchel, but, you know, yeah. there's that. Um, NL Cy Young. I went with DeGrom. Everybody else went with Kershaw. I was trying to not pick Kershaw. Scherzer? I think it. 
I think Kershaw's still got a chance. It could also be, uh, it could be Scherzer. Yeah, I would probably give it to Scherzer. And, uh, AL Rookie of the Year, we're all wrong on this. It's gonna be Judge. We all went Benintendi. And then, ooh, great pick by me, Hunter Renfro for NL Rookie of the Year. Heath, all of our Rookie of the Year picks for NL are awful. Pretty bad. Coda Glover for Heath and Dansby Swanson for Chris and Scott. I think they all got sent down <laughs> at one point during the season. Did Glover get sent down or did he just get on the, go on the DL and disappear? He might not have gotten sent down, but he, you know. Heath wins! Hey. <laughs> Austin, you know, Andrew Benintendi might finish second. Who's gonna win NL Rookie of the Year? It's Bellinger, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That should have been more obvious yeah. to me. Alright, and those were our picks before the year. It's not easy, I guess. But hey, we got the division winners right. <laughs> Good for us. Uh, some things that caught my eye in the last week or so and, well, the home stretch of the regular season. Um, let's start with, well, let's do some pitchers. Well, let's do hitters, actually. Okay, my bad. Let's do hitters. Five hitters, Chris, finished with an OPS over a thousand. That, that yep. qualified. That doesn't even include Bryce Harper, but Trout, Judge, Votto, Stanton, and Blackman all had an OPS over a thousand. You look at the previous four years combined, there were six hitters. That had an OPS over a thousand. There were five this year. Mio Mayo. There were probably there had to have been at least two guys who would have uh who would have done it if they qualified with JD Martinez, right? Oh, th- for sure. My goodness, he was ridiculous with the with the Diamondbacks, but Harper yeah. didn't qualify, and I guess Martinez didn't either. Yeah, JD Martinez would have been second in baseball if he qualified. <laughs> That's behind Travis. Yeah. So it was a year for hitting, no doubt. And um and that actually shout out to Jake and KC for winning the podcast league. Beating Way Scott. Go, Jake. Yeah, he crushed Scott in the final week. And he did it. He he really won the league by streaming two star pitchers. And I couldn't believe how successful it was because he was picking up a lot of crappy two star pitchers. <laughs> but it worked in the points league and it's kind of yeah. You know, I, I'd probably need to see it work one more time before I bought into that philosophy because I don't believe in streaming bad two-star pitchers, but it worked beautifully for Jake. And he was the most active on waivers. He had a strategy. He stuck to it. And good job. Congratulations, Jake. Way to go, Jake. Yeah, you, you dethroned Scott. Actually, I don't think Scott won it last year. Uh, I don't know. Scott wins it most years. So good job, Jake. Um, okay, other things that caught my eye. Luke Weaver. 14 earned runs in seven and two-thirds over his last two starts. He was looking like a top 35-ish starting pitcher on draft day next year. Does this change anything for you, these last two starts? I think it probably does just a little bit. Um, just because you, you want to see someone finish the season strong. But, you know, looking at uh, Scott's rankings, he does have him as a top 35 guy for next year, number 33. Um and I think there's that's that seems like a pretty good spot because once you get past he he's in that range with a lot of guys who've got question marks. Scott has him in the Alex Wood, Danny Duffy, Luis Castillo, Brad Peacock range, and I, I think that's a good place for him to be. Yeah, yeah. I wish Weaver had more of an innings excuse, but it seemed like a pretty normal jump for him. You know, I could look at the last two starts and be like, well, he got tired. You know, but he threw 119 and a third innings in 2016. He threw 138 this year. So I don't know. It is uncharted territory. It could just be a, a couple of bad starts, too. Really you know, like, bad, This though. is – the thing that I do like about him is this is a guy who 
maybe didn't get the the prospect hype that that uh, Alex Reyes did for the the Cardinals before the season, but he was a top fifty guy before the season. Oh, and he had a great year, Weaver, in the PCL. Great year. All right, Jake Junis, his last 11 games, 10 of them starts. He had a 361 ERA, 9 walks, 50 strikeouts. Wasn't great in the minors until this year, and then he, he really turned it on, and he will, uh, he's 25 years old now. He turned 25 in September. I don't, I don't really like Jake Junis' stuff that much. I kind of feel like he won't be able to re- recreate this. No, it feels very fluky, uh, especially because the overall production was just not very good. Um, so I, I would not buy into Jake Junis going into next year. But I am buying into Blake Snell. Blake Snell might be next year's Luis Severino. Now, he had some real clunkers down the stretch, including his second-to-last start, four runs in an inning at the Yankees, but then he finished that up. His last start of the year, seven scoreless with 13 strikeouts at Baltimore. Um, just like last 10 starts for Snell, 284 ERA. 55 strikeouts to 18 walks and 57 innings. I'm I'm excited as heck about Blake Snell. I should have said hell because it rhymes with Snell. I'm excited <laughs> as hell about Blake Snell. He next started year. to look like the guy we were hoping he would be. Uh, you know, you look at his overall second half stats: eight percent walk rate. That's actually above average. Twenty-four percent strikeout rate. That's very good. Uh, if he can be just an average control guy. I think the sky's the limit. He, he's actually in a very similar place to where Carlos Rodon was last year. Uh, yeah, extremely yeah. talented player, had trouble putting it together. The secondary stuff wasn't quite there. But when that control improved, the flashes are really impressive. Now, obviously, let's hope he has a better 2018 than Carlos Rodon had a 2017. But that wasn't really performance related. That was just the guy couldn't stay healthy. Okay, Blake Snell, we like you. Make it happen. You know who else is looking like the guy we thought he was going to be, Chris Towers? Who's that? Travis Darno. Over the last 28 days of the season, he was the number one catcher in fantasy. He batted 327 with six home runs, four walks, five strikeouts. Apparently, he tinkered with his swing. I think uh, the leg kick was a little bit different for Travis Darno. Uh, late round flyer. He was a... He was a... A swing tinkerer early in the season. Yes. Remember in the spring, in spring. Too much. Was... Too much. So yeah, he went a yeah, little crazy so, with it. Look, that the, the bar at catcher is so low that someone with his talent level is going to be fantasy relevant. He'll be a, he'll be a nice sleeper in drafts next year. Travis Darno, a sleeper in drafts. Darno or Zunino? I'll go with Zunino. The, the track record's a little better there. Alright, last night's playoff game, we had home runs from Brian Dozier, Eddie Rosario, Brett Gardner, Aaron Judge, Didi Gregorius, and we had two crap starts from two top 15 pitchers. In fact, top 10 in points. Irvin Santana. Irvin Santana was the number 10 starting pitcher in points, number 14 in Roto. And Luis Severino got one out last night. He was a top 8 pitcher in fantasy this year. Uh, it was weird. It was just weird. And, uh, not so much for Santana because he's so bad in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. But it was really weird for Severino. I think, you know, you look at how quickly Joe Girardi got that bullpen ready. I wonder if it wasn't a situation where he was told before the game, we're gonna, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're ready to get a full game out of the bullpen if we need it. And, you know, with a young guy like him, adrenaline running high, I wonder if that just got to him. I don't know what it was, but I hope he bounces back. And the funny thing is, 
if Severino, if the Yankees had lost, that would have been great for Severino because I'm so nervous about the innings. But right now, look, it's not terrible. It's 161 and two thirds in 2015, and then 151 and a third in 2016. So ten fewer innings. But he goes up about 42, 42 innings this year. That's 32 innings from his previous career high, up to 193 and a third regular season innings. If he had just gotten, you know, rocked for one third of an inning, you know, I probably wouldn't be as nervous, but I just don't want to see Severino. I mean, I personally do want to see Severino make a late postseason run, but from a fantasy perspective, I really don't. Uh, he's already 40 innings over, 42 innings over last year. He's got a kind of thin frame. And he throws 99 miles per hour, and it just scares it, me. It's Cinder Guardian. It's a bit of a concern, but we'll look. We'll worry about that when we get there, all right, Adam? He might throw one more start. Oh, no. They're clearly, I mean, they're throwing <laughs> Trevor Bauer in game one. Come on. They're clearly going to the. There uh, is a. Um, the Indians are prohibitive favorites. They should. I don't know if they are, but they should be. They're much better. The, the more interesting player out of that uh, group that you mentioned from last night's game has to be Eddie Rosario, right? Yeah. I mean,. So Al pointed out, uh, well, I pointed out the home road splits. I th- no, I pointed out the lefty righty splits for Rosario. I think Al said it's the home road splits that really matter because uh, Target Field's a good park for him, and Yankee Stadium is a good park for him. And he took advantage of. I mean, his home run was only a home run in Yankee Stadium. It was right over the wall. He crushed it, line drive, but right over the wall in yep. right field. Uh, but yeah, great year, a huge power breakout for him. He went. You know, fully, you know, Brian Dozier on the, uh, on the good end, if you want to give a lot of credit or, you know, kind of Rugnet Odor on the bad, if you, if you want to be skeptical, he basically just became a, a dead pull uh, fly ball hitter, uh, upped his fly ball percentage to 42%, which isn't crazy high, but, you know, the home run to fly ball rate went up. The infield fly ball rate went up as well, which tells you that I think he was probably selling out for power a little more. And, you know, Brian Dozier had another great year. It was up and down a little bit, but, you know, he was very good. But then there, there, there is downside. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. The twins, twins had a great year. Yeah. They had the best turnaround and I, I might have been the best turnaround in baseball history. I don't think. No team had ever made the playoffs after losing 103 games. I know that. So in that regard, it is the best turnaround in baseball history. But in my personal opinion, they didn't make the playoffs. They made the playoff, the play-in game for the playoffs, and they lost it. So, yeah, sorry, Twins. Um, all right, let's read some emails. And Spencer in Tampa, subject line, bad beat, please feel bad for me. Okay. Going into last Friday, I was in my semifinal matchup in my most important league. Head-to-head categories, I was tied 5-5. Comfortably winning all five pitching categories and uncomfortably losing all five hitting categories. But I owned the tiebreaker over my opponent to move to the finals. Friday night, my opponent started Ivan Nova, Sean Newcomb, and Marco Estrada. On the surface, I felt fine. Even if one of those guys had a bad start, I'd be all right. Instead, all three had solid starts. My opponent takes over ERA, 323 to my 357. He then benches all of his pitchers for the rest of his week, knowing it's a good chance of winning ERA. And with that, the week. I pick up Odorizzi for Saturday's start at Baltimore, but I sit him, knowing that I have Scherzer and DeGrom going the next day. If I was going to get my ERA under 323, it would be those guys. 
not Odorizzi doing it. So Odorizzi on Saturday, of course, shuts out the Orioles for six innings. And I continue to lose the ERA category. On Sunday, I need great starts from Scherzer and DeGrom pitching against each other. They both go out and do their thing. At about 4.30, I check I'm now losing our ERA only 3.23 to 3.28. I have no starters left. He is nobody left. But I have Greg Holland, Brad Hand, and Blake Trinan. So he's down 328 to 323 with three relievers left. This is for the, for the, to get to the finals. Hand does not pitch. Trinan does not pitch. But Greg Holland comes in in a non-save situation and throws a scoreless inning. As I internally scream to myself, hoping that inning will lower my ERA enough to tie and therefore win my matchup. I go in and I check my matchup. I go right to the ERA category and I cry a lot. I lose ERA. 3.234 to 3.235. Oh, that is a bad, bad beat. One thousand. I may have point. a beat. Really? In my, in my main league, I was the number one seed last season, lost in the first round after my bye. This season, number one seed, get the bye. Go into my first matchup against the same exact team who beat me last year. I go into Sunday night baseball <laughs> with the categories tied five to five, but batting average is separated by a thousandth of a point. I have Mike Trout. He has Carlos Correa. It's five five. I'm also leading in saves three to two. I have Ken Giles. He has Jarrett Parker. Were you winning? Uh, were you winning batting average or were you losing it? I was winning batting average by a thousandth of a point. So I needed Mike Trout to have a better game than Carlos Correa. Because if it was 5-5, the tiebreaker was hit and I had more hits, so I would move through. Okay. So I go through the game. Mike Trout, I think, goes two for three with a walk. Carlos Correa goes one for three with a walk. So I'm feeling great. And then I realize that I'm only up one in saves. He has the Angels closer, and I have the Astros closer. If he ties and saves, he wins the week. And, of course, Parker gets the save for the Angels. Uh. <laughs> I didn't realize that until about 12, 30, like 11.45 on Sunday night. I didn't realize the save situation. I was just looking at Trout and Correa. I'm watching the game, and I lost. I probably would have sat Trout. <sighs> Look, uh, well, no, you, I couldn't. It's a weekly lineup. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Then so that was that was my because that that one was so heartbreaking because once once Correa came up, I think in the eighth, and didn't get a hit. I was like, that's it. I'm moving on to the finals, baby. And that was when I realized that he had Parker who could get the save. And of course, he pitched a <sighs> shutout, perfect ninth inning to get the save, and it just that's a it bummer. was so heartbreaking. Yeah, that's a bummer. I'm sorry, buddy. Alright, more, more emails. This is from Joe Pig in Alabama. Dear Mike D, MCA, and Adrock. I know those fellas. Yeah. Not a fan. We're scrolling through You're some- You're not a fan? No. That is the worst musical take you have ever had, Adam. No, it's not. They're not it good. It is! They're just a gimmick. They're incredible! Paul's Boutique is one of the best albums ever. You're ridiculous! 
I am what, so buddy. upset. I tell you what, I'm really, I've, I was very upset about Tom Petty. Very upset. That one, yeah, that one got to me. That was the first concert my wife and I ever went to before really? we were dating. We went and saw Tom Petty. At the amphitheater in Palm Beach? No, uh, the Panthers Arena. Oh, okay, cause I saw him twice in Palm Beach. Yeah, I love Tom he Petty. was amazing. And he just, I don't know a damn thing about Tom Petty, but I just feel like he was so nice. So cool. He was just so like, mellow. he was like the, the like, kinda lame uncle who was still cool in spite of it. Like he was just like, he was, he was so above everything. Right. He didn't he try just, to be a rock star. He just was a rock star. Yeah. He was, Tom Petty was awesome. That, that one really bummed me out. I started listening to all of his saddest songs. Like not even, they're not even sad, but they're like, they made me sad, like wildflowers. Yeah. And learning to fly. Yeah. And I, I threw was, full moon fever on yesterday. I was very, uh, was very sad about that, but. R.I.P. Tom Petty. Uh, Joe Pig asks, who were some of the under-the-radar performers for 2017, and what's the likelihood of a repeat? So he actually gives some names. Uh, Ender Inciarte, 200 hits. Jonathan Scope, 30 home runs. G- Goo Gonzalez, that's an autocorrect for Geo. <laughs> Whit Merrifield, Luis Severino. If we look at those five, Chris, those are, those are good ones. Inciarte, Scope, Goo, Gonzalez. Whit Merrifield, Luis Severino. I mean, we already talked about scope. Probably not going to be able to repeat again, especially the batting average. You're asking for like guys who had good seasons, but maybe didn't get a lot of credit for them. Well, no, specifically these guys in the email. Um, do you think? Do you think Gio Gonzalez, Whit Merrifield, and Luis Severino are are in line to repeat their performances? I think Luis Severino should be viewed as a top ten pitcher next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I they're the performance. For him, I don't think there was anything fluky about it. I think this guy, you know, assuming he can stay healthy, I think he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. You know, the development of even a passable changeup, and I think he's got a, a pretty decent one now, but the, the development of that, I think, has just done wonders for him. And the the fastball-slider combination was already so devastating that I, I, I buy in completely. Geo. It depends on what people's expectations are. If people look at him and say, well, he's a low three ZRA guy, then I'll probably avoid him. If people look at him and say, he's going to get a lot of wins, going to pitch a lot of innings, mid threes, high three ZRA, not helpful in whip, but maybe doesn't hurt you, then I think he's fine. I think Joe's fine. Whit Merrifield's pretty interesting. You think he's a uh, top 10 second baseman next year? Scott and Heath both have him in the top 10, and uh, speed is such a rare commodity that I think that alone probably gets him there. And Austin from Illinois wants us to rank these pitchers for 2018 and in Dynasty. Very tough group here. Luke Weaver, Zach Godley, Jose Barrios, Luis Castillo. Weaver, Godley, Barrios, Castillo. That's tough. Really tough. I, I'm gonna assume Scott has Godley highest among this group. I would probably go Castillo, Godley, Barrios, Weaver. Hmm. I was gonna put Weaver first. <laughs> uh, I, I, that's not, I can't exactly argue with it. He was really good. I just, I love what Luis Castillo showed us this year, and I think he's kind of the opposite of, uh, he, he's a lot like Luis Severino in a lot of ways, but, a little bit of a, of an opposite. His fastball changeup is the the stronger combination. And if you know another off season, he gets that slider 
to just be, you know, a little bit more of a swing and miss pitch. You've got a great strikeout pitcher, pretty decent control, who gets a ton of ground balls. He had a 59% ground ball rate this season. There's a lot to like about Luis Castillo. I think he could be an absolute ace. Who do you like tonight? John Gray or Grinky? Uh, I think you probably have to give the Diamondbacks the edge with the starting pitcher there. Um, He's been pitching like crap lately, though. The game is in Coors, right? No, it's at Arizona. Okay, that, yeah. Uh, John Gray on the road can be really tough. I, I, I'm going to go with the upset here. I'm going to go with the upset. First of all, I, I, Rockies? I don't... Yeah, I don't really believe in in upsets and I yeah. I said Granky's pitching like crap. It's been his last two starts. Before that he was like completely brilliant. Um He's really good. Yeah. I don't really believe in upsets in one game playoffs, so I'll just Do you like the one game system? I like the second wild card system. I think it's better than nothing. I don't like the one game playoff. I it's it's not fair. I like it. You do? It's fun. It's dramatic, but your team's never been in it. And if they had a five game or five, like the Yankees were five or six games better than the Twins. They were a lot better than the Twins. If they yeah. had lost, I would have been really a much upset. better team. Yeah, I would have been, I would have been pretty annoyed if they had lost. Yeah, as someone who, like, you know, I'm, I'm a Marlins fan, but I don't get, I don't get up or down with them. Like, I, I'm never, I'm never, like, my day's never ruined by a Marlins loss. And, you know, they haven't had a lot of losses that mattered over the last 15 years, but, um, as someone who's mostly an independent viewer, I just, I think it's so fun. It, it, yeah, no, it is. I'm looking forward to tonight. I really am. Um, yeah. Yeah, why not? I'll go with the Rockies. Why not? R- rooting for Arizona. I, Arizona is better. Stand up. So, yeah, Arizona's a better team. And they'd be a, they'd be a stiffer challenge. It would be interesting to see those Dodgers pitchers pitching in Coors Field. Like, Kershaw didn't have a very good start over the weekend. At cores, so playoff cores would be fun. Playoff cores would be fun. All right, Chris Towers. Playoff Chris Towers is very fun. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Adam. It's nice to be back. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you back, and I'm sure you'll be back even more. Scott is taking his six months off for paternity <laughs> leave. We'll talk to him uh, at the All Star break next year. For Chris Towers, I'm Adam Azer. We'll see you later.